at law school, corporate clerkship recruitment is considered to be especially demanding. Some of the dedicated lawyers who have survived this vicious process are part of an elite squad known as Allens. These are their stories. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Allens Confidential coming at you totally remotely for the comfort of our own homes for the very first time. Today, we are joined by Tim Stewart, who is our Sydney staff partner, banking and finance expert extraordinaire, and actually probably your most notable role, Tim, my second round interviewer during the clerkship, clerkship season back in the day. We are also joined by Claire Watson, who's a lawyer in our disputes investigations team. She's taken on a bit of a new role in this new COVID-19 world, which we're going to dig into over the course of today's episode, and you should all get very excited for that because it's extremely interesting. And we are also joined by someone very special, Caitlin Burke, who is a first-year grad in our Disputes Investigations team, who is in fact not a guest, but our new co-host. So it's with a very heavy heart that I let everyone know that Rose has finished up her leave of absence from the firm, but has decided to try something new and will not be returning to Allen's. But of course, it does not matter where she works. Rose is always a much-loved part of the Allen's family, and we're going to miss her very much. So, Caitlin, welcome. We'll just introduce you to everyone, I guess. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Thanks. Um, it's great to be here. Um, I'm pretty impressed with the turnaround time it took me from entering the firm to having a vocal platform um, <laughs> with which I will subject everyone to moving forward. Um, I am uh, a fresh grad in the DNI practice. Um, I clerked at Allen's in 2017-2018 summer, um, which is where I met you and I met Rose and I met um, Lauren. And uh, yeah, I am very excited to be a part of this um, creative outlet and I look forward to all the adventures we'll go on. Now, you actually had quite an interesting time before you returned to Allen's because I follow you on Instagram and I saw that you had quite a, a fun year. So do you want to tell everyone about what you got up to between finishing uni and joining us at the firm? Yeah, I did. Um, I had a, um, a series of mental breakdowns that were manifested in an attempt to enter the amateur comedy circuit. It was the best year of my life. Um, so I um, kind of it went gallivanting with a couple of my mates from uni when I knew I had the opportunity that Alan would give me to take the year off. Um, obviously, most people do um, really admirable things like go to the courts um, and uh, do other kind of endeavours uh, in justice, um, whereas I decided that I wanted to financially um, ruin myself at the Edinburgh Fringe, um, which was an amazing time. Uh, so yeah, a couple of mates and I from uni, we had always wanted to do it and we knew that if we didn't do it that year, it was like a bucket list thing, we'd never do it. So we wrote and developed a, a, a show and took it up and did a full run over 26 days. And then um, we also did our own kind of stand up stuff. So yeah, it was a great time. Um, what was the and, show about? Uh, it was it was the most chaotic and confusing um, piece of um, art that's a stretch the piece of theatre that was ever um, written it was effectively um, a group of people stuck in a bunker which is now really concerning that we wrote that it was they would they were trapped there for some time isolating um, in oh, a bunker soothsayer. I know I know um, but it was it was like sketch comedy so there were loads of different characters and um, we performed it in a tiny room in Edinburgh and made people pay £10 per ticket, which I still don't understand. Um, and it was so hot in that room. And um, 
it was such a, a fire hazard, but we, we got through and we made it and it was a great time. Incredible. And I mean, it explains why you're about 800 times funnier than me. So <laughs> there's a context not. for everyone as we move forward. That's not the case at all. And like I was saying to you earlier, I need to apologize in advance for anything that comes out of my mouth um, on this podcast during this time because of my lack of human interaction. I'm quite frightened about the thoughts happening in my head. So um, <laughs> I'm just really happy to be talking to people. <laughs> Here it is out for everyone to listen to. Yeah, exactly. Let's get stuck into today's episode. A very warm Alan's confidential welcome to Tim and Claire. Thanks, Geneva. I'll throw this question to everyone. It's our traditional first question. And Caitlin, if you want to jump in with an answer there as well, as a fun getting to know you activity, what podcasts do you guys listen to? Tim, do you want to kick off? Yeah, look, I don't listen to terribly many podcasts, um, but what I do listen to um, when I sort of come in the morning to work in the mornings is the um, is the Economist podcast um, and all the sort of the, the variations of that, um, including the, the intelligence. And um, one that I am actually really quite enjoying at the moment is The Secret History of the Future, which is the, the co-production with, um, with Slate, which I think one of uh, the earlier podcast guests, Sakeli, um, also referred to. I think it's a, um, it's a great podcast. Well, strong recommendation there. And how about yourself, Claire? So I'm probably going to take the phone down now. I love a <laughs> podcast, but I'm much more of a chatty, chit-chatty podcast listener. I think because I listen to podcasts when I'm sort of cleaning the house or driving to the gym, which I'm not doing much of lately, but <laughs> things like that. And I think I've sort of felt like I need to put a bit more time between myself and uni before I can get back around the educational podcast format. <laughs> <laughs> but in saying that, Tim's really sold the secret history of the future, so maybe I'll give it a try and that'll be um, my my stepping stone back into that world. So I'm uh, similarly, I would say, uncultured in the sense that um, I don't usually turn to podcasts um, for intellectual enlightenment, um, but more to, I guess, switch off. Um, I'm very into a podcast called Seek Treatment, um, and Last Culturistas, which is both of them by some comedians in New York. Um, that's what I'm listening to at the moment, and I'm very happy to be here, and sorry I'm not Rosanna Bricknell, but I'll do my very best big uh, shoes to fill. Well, we're sad not to have Rose, but we are very, very happy to have you, so welcome. Thank you. Um, I guess another thing that it's really interesting for people to hear is the journey to Alan's because people take similar paths, they take different paths, and it's always nice to know how people got to be where they are. So maybe Claire, if you want to start, how is it that you came to be at Allen's? Yeah, absolutely. So I suppose I joined the firm in the, the conventional way these days. I clerked in the Brisbane office in the summer of 2017. I received a graduate offer in um, early in the following year. And then I joined the firm uh, last year in the banking and finance team. Um, so yeah, getting a getting a graduate offer from Allen's was was a very big achievement for me. That was a really really exciting time. And yeah, my first year in the banking team was was fantastic, and um, sort of lived up to what I was expecting and more and all of that, all of those things. Um, I really really enjoyed the kind of work that I did in that team. I think it's generally acknowledged that banking work can be very technical and quite. Um, almost a bit difficult to understand at times. And as, as part of that, you know, some of that work was extremely challenging, but I've had a bit of a moment to reflect on that recently. And I think that uh, a lot of the skills that I learned in my time in that team um, 
almost almost feel like new tricks I can do now. It's it's a really cool thing to reflect on all the things that you can learn in a time that's as short as a year. So that was, and actually uh, towards the end of my time in the banking team, notwithstanding that I'm in Brisbane, that I got the opportunity to work with Tim um, on a matter where he was the partner and it was a cross office sort of team on a deal. And that was really exciting as well. What's it like working with Tim? Oh, Tim's great to work for because he just jumps on calls and listens and tells you what to do in the background on Skype. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it was really it was really good fun working with Tim on that deal. Uh, so, so yeah, now now I've rotated. I'm in I'm in the disputes team, as you said, Geneva, and I sit in the restructuring and insolvency kind of stream. Um, it hasn't been two months yet, so uh, I don't have that much experience to report, but so far I'm having a great time. It's, um, it's interesting at the start of last year when I put my preferences in, the only thing I was certain of was that I absolutely had no interest whatsoever in litigation work. <laughs> and by the end of last year, I was absolutely raring to get into the disputes teams, so but it's funny how things can change in a year. Well, Tim, you've got a similar path, don't you, in terms of unexpected choices and where it leads Yeah, you? Yeah, it is. And, and just before that, I just want to pick up on what Claire said. I know this isn't a recruitment podcast for banking and finance, <laughs> but I think she did know that it was exciting, it was cool, and she, uh, she learned some really good new tricks. So, um, you know, that's uh, something out there for all, all your listeners to bear in mind. Um, banking and <laughs> finance, exciting and cool. Um, yeah, look, Geneva, um, I, I actually sort of had a pretty um, a pretty familiar route into uh, in, in, into Allen's as well, but yeah, it was somewhat unexpected. I I did a combined engineering degree when um, when I was at university, and um, by the time we'd sort of finished the sort of the four years of engineering, um, I was sort of focused on engineering. wasn't really too familiar with um, with lawyers or law firms. And I had a couple of friends who um, who were working at Allen's, um, and they said there was a job up for a paralegal. So um, I actually started at Allen's as a paralegal um, in my penultimate um, in my penultimate year at uh, university. And, you know, it all happened a bit by accident, but it was a very, very happy accident. Um, so at the end of that year, I did a summer clerkship um, and then was offered a grad position. Um, in terms of sort of how have I sort of got from there to here, it's probably an interesting one because as I said, I did an, uh, an engineering degree and I always thought I'd be an environment planning or, or, or construction lawyer and actually did my, my engineering thesis on, on the law of tort in the construction industry. But um, when, uh, when I was going through the summer clerkship program, I didn't know where else I wanted to rotate because um, I thought, well, all I want to do is, is be environment planning construction lawyer, which was the same team at Allen's at the time. And I, said to, I asked the um, partner who interviewed me and she responded, well, look, if you're pretty sure you know where you want to go, definitely do that as a rotation but if you don't know where else you might want to go for a second rotation then you know choose somewhere where you're pretty sure you don't want to go because then at least if you've done that it's only a five-week clerkship it's not going to be too much of a too much of a problem for you and then at least you've discarded um one of the uh one of the practice groups and so my father was an accountant and i couldn't think of anything more boring than uh, than banking and finance uh, so I said, okay, well, that's great. I'll do a rotation in energy resource and infrastructure and a rotation in banking and finance. So here I am um, 15 or so years later as a partner in the banking and finance team. And um, I think it's a, um, it's a, pretty good, um, a pretty good story to highlight the fact that, you know, it's, 
very difficult to know what you do on a day-to-day basis in a commercial law firm when you come straight out of university. And um, that's why it's really important to take advantage um, of talking to as many people as you can about what actually happens on a day-to-day basis. And what I actually found in banking and finance was that there was a lot of the things that I really liked from my engineering in terms of sort of the logic process, the problem solving that um, that I really found in, in, in banking and finance, probably actually even more so than sort of in some of the litigation work that I did in um, in, in, in construction, um, you know, it, it's a it's it's really important to understand that you know what you do on a day to day basis is not often reflected in the uh, in the name of the practice group. The other good thing about being in banking and finance is uh, it's an extremely transferable skill set. You know, the the um, the process and the law that we do in banking and finance here in Australia is very similar to that that occurs in in England and in Europe and uh, and in the US. So it's also a uh, really Sort of great grounding if you want to uh, if you want to travel again. As I say, this isn't a recruitment podcast for banking and finance, but this, that's another thing to add to your list. The kind of work that you're doing, how does it look now? So obviously, we're in the middle of a pandemic. You know, what's changed for you? Yeah, look, it's been it's it's really interesting. Um, so much has changed, but then a whole lot hasn't really changed at all. Um, you know, we are obviously all working from home, but to the greatest extent possible, we're trying to sort of maintain business as usual. Um, and, you know, we're lucky to have a whole lot of technology um, that enables us to, uh, to do that. In terms of the actual work type, um, the pandemic is, is a somewhat uncharted territory for, uh, for, for, you know, for the, for the economy, um, you know, there are a whole lot of our, our clients on sort of the borrower side and the lender side who are sort of trying to navigate some some uncertain times and that's what we're here to try and help them with. Um, in addition to sort of just the, the, the normal, um, you know, contractual framework which the um, borrowers and lenders are operating in and actually everyone, businesses are conducting themselves in um, on a day-to-day basis, overlaid on top of that, you know, are a number of different initiatives coming out of the federal government and the state government and, you know, the, the various different governments around the, the the country are coming out with slightly different versions of, of government support and, um, and and other assistance. And so, you know, we're spending a lot of time at the moment trying to help our clients, you know, not only sort of understand what the what the what the contracts are that they're subject to, but also sort of the legal and regulatory environment that is rapidly changing and developing um, at the moment. Which is something that Claire's been instrumental in helping the business achieve. Uh, excuse me. These are our segues. So, Sorry. which is something that's been instrumental that Claire's been doing. <laughs> <laughs> nice, <laughs> seamless. That's absolutely right, Geneva and Tim. Who well, I'll give credit both <laughs> ways for that clever segue. Um, I have taken on a bit of a close role in engaging um, directly with the COVID nineteen pandemic in a few different ways and um, they've all come about somewhat randomly. Um, But one of of the main things that I'm doing in particular is I've been providing real-time updates to the COVID working group within the firm, which is just sort of an internal email distribution list, as well as the partnership, um, which are just summary of the press conferences held by the Prime Minister various senior um, senior ministers in the federal government, as well as the various premiers and chief executives of all the states and territories. So I literally, during my day, 
have the news on on my personal computer off to the side in my little home office and keep an eye on any press conferences and major announcements that happen throughout the day, which relate to COVID-19, which is all of them. And when they happen, I take notes really quickly, just summarise what's happened, particularly take note of all the questions that are being asked by the journalists and um, send that around to everyone. And it's been, it seems to be quite a good way for the partnership and the working group to sort of stay on top of everything that's announced as it happens, almost potentially before you even get that news on your traditional news outlets. It kind of came about a little bit randomly because I was actually watching my fave show Married at First Sight a few weeks ago on the weekend. So on the Sunday night, um, Scott Morrison interrupted that viewing with a press conference, um, which we now will probably all remember as the iconic press ref- press conference where he referred to bar as bar A, which was <laughs> a bit of a cringe. Um so uh, that that popped up and I knew that some people in the team and some partners in particular were trying to keep track of these things and I happened to have my laptop nearby so I just grabbed it and started taking notes, sent them around, got feedback that it was really useful so figured I should keep doing that. So that's that's the main bag that I've been doing that's just something that I do on the side of my ordinary work. And I've also been helping out with a lot of uh, public uh, publications that Alan's has been putting out and a lot of that material is available on the website. And like Tim said, we're also doing a lot of work that's directly um, directly advising clients as to how a specific direction or announcement or a specific power that the government might access uh, might become relevant to that certain client's particular business and its particular needs. So there's, there's a ream of um, things going on at the moment that are very much directly related to COVID-19. It's almost becoming its own little little practice in a way. Do you have a favourite press conference moment aside from Barre? Ooh, that's a tricky one. Barre was a bit of a car. I, um, I work in, in doing these. I bounce off the partner Emma Warren in the Melbourne office pretty closely. We, we communicate all the time about them. But for Alan's purposes, when we're in work mode, we really just care about whether we're going to get the code of conduct about leasing negotiations today or will it be tomorrow or will it be the next day? And the journalists just don't seem to care as much as I do about <laughs> that stuff. So that's, that's a, bit of a bit of a highlight. Claire, have you found that your um, intense consumption of um, current affairs at this time um, has that had an effect on you? I mean, for me, I have kind of a sadistic relationship with um, the ABC Live News blog, and so I kind of like to wallow in that um, immense anxiety when I'm feeling particularly low. So, has that been the case <laughs> for you, or have you had a an, an, another experience? I am conscious of not um, saturating my brain with COVID, but that's a bit difficult to avoid. But as I say, I think having a bit of a proactive role makes me feel like it's not just all happening around me when I know what's going on and people ask me questions and I can say, oh yeah, so the current status on, you know, the restrictions in this state is this and you can go and look look it up further through here. I feel like I'm involved and not just letting this thing happen. So in a, in a funny way, it's kind of helped. You feel like having 
read that and consume that information, you're you're doing something that's contributing um, to other people and pragmatic handling of it rather than me who just stares at a wall after reading it. That's really good. <laughs> Every time they used to announce there was a press conference, I was like, oh, God, what now? Like, what comes next? Yeah. Whereas I just run and drop everything and run back to my desk. <laughs> that's great. That's the healthiest approach I've heard so far. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. And then how has your experience for both of you been um, switching working from home? How have you found that transition? Yeah, I suppose the transition hasn't been too much of a struggle for me because I'd actually had work from home roles during uni. I had a bit of a setup already. I did have to get a monitor again. But apart from those technical bits, um, coming back into that routine wasn't too bad and I've definitely got a got a nice work from home routine down pat now I get up at the normal time do some yoga or some exercise in the morning go for a walk get a coffee and then settle in for work and now that I've got that all under control and all my all my tech is sorted I'm actually quite enjoying it it's a bit of a silver lining to all of this and I I you know recognize that we're really fortunate that we've been able to do it and things are largely business as usual, but it's not been too bad. Yeah, and, and like Claire, um, I actually found that the transition not too challenging. Um, I'd worked from home uh, quite a bit beforehand, so I did have a, have a setup ready to, to work. Um, the firm had been supporting people and people working from home um, for sort of 12 to 18 months and you know, there was a, a really rapid ramp up of that. You know, in terms of, for, for me, um, I am working from home and there are four other co-workers here, my <laughs> wife and three young children. Um, we've uh, occasionally send office-wide emails about leaving fridge doors open and leaving, uh, leaving half-eaten sandwiches on the, on the table, but that's okay. <laughs> we, can, um, we work through that. But, you know, to, to Claire's point, um, there has been a sort of a level of business as usual that, that's just been going on and people are, you know, still working in the ordinary course, you know, people still sort of communicating with each other. Um, the only thing I've really noticed is that there probably has been a little bit more uh, video chat. People are getting a little bit more savvy with their technology. Now, obviously, there were some teething problems with, with technology sort of in the first week, but I think everyone's sort of getting their head around it. And, you know, I, every day sort of I'm looking forward to, uh, to who I have to talk to next on a, on a video chat. I'm a bit notorious with the video chat. Just check out everyone's bedhead and uh, bad beards that um, seems to have developed during the uh, during isolation. Do you do the surprise video calls? Absolutely. That I'm is getting a few uh, of those. Oh, I absolutely do a, do a video call. People are actually now getting a little bit more savvy and just answering with audio only, but um, I, I don't let them get away with that for too long. He says while wearing a hat because he hasn't had a haircut in uh, six weeks. <laughs> One of the partners in our team asked me to give him a call and so I did. I rang off my mobile to his mobile and he answered and was like, well, this is very old-fashioned of you. And I was like, oh, <laughs> well then. Yeah, it's, it's, been, what, it's, it's something that I've really noticed um, and it's not just, it's not just sort of um, the, the, the junior lawyers but a lot of the, the senior partners and the, the partners and sort of more, sen- more senior lawyers who probably haven't, been quite as au fait with all the technology are really getting up to speed with it and you know there are some some partners who um who i work with who are really really excited about this great new thing called video chat which uh you know <laughs> only seemed to arrive four weeks ago with the advent of covid but um i know everyone else has been using that for a while but um it's it's a it's it's a really good way to um to stay you know as connected as you possibly can in these 
these sort of times. It's, it's interesting, Claire mentioned that um, at the beginning of the year we worked on a transaction where I was based in the uh, Sydney office and the rest of the team actually was based in Brisbane. And um, we didn't do one video call during that time at all. Um, and, you know, we probably should have. And I was actually at the same time was working with a different team in Perth on a, on a, on a matter that we were doing out in Western Australia. And um, it was only when we moved remotely that, um, that I gave Louise a, uh, a video call. It was sort of the first time we'd actually chatted face-to-face. Otherwise, it was just um, on, uh, on Skype or, or down the telephone line. So I do hope that this is going to change a little bit of the way that we do communicate and sort of bring back in, um, even if we're sort of, you know, we're allowed to sort of get out and walk around for other things other than, Toilet paper and uh, and pasta, um, but we'll still be able to uh, to connect visually with um, with people once we're all back in the office because it's actually a it, it makes a difference. Yeah, actually, uh, following on from what Tim just said about um, getting on the on the video call to people from other offices, it's funny. I was on a video call with the partner Emma Warren, who I've been doing all this COVID work with recently, and we were laughing that the two of us we've never met in real life, never seen each other face-to-face, jumped on the video chat and sort of said, oh, how are you going? Nice to meet you. And we've been emailing on a, you know, on a half-hour basis for weeks. And we both observed that it's almost been a bit of a leveller that um, uh, as a junior lawyer in a disputes team in the Brisbane office, I've just got to put my big girl pants on and call the partner that I need to speak to because there's no way around it. And, and I think that's that, that, again, is something else that sort of that this is sort of, shown up that you know that there is a level of individual responsibility you know that that is on all um all staff and you know there is a there's a trust that we have in relation to all of our staff you know as claire says you know second year rotator is now sort of the uh the chief lifeline to uh to the press conferences um and it's a really important really important part of the um of, of how we can manage this process for our clients you know understanding you know, what is being said at, at, at press conferences so that we can sort of position ourselves and, you know, assist our clients who are really calling us with, with issues and developing issues that, um, you know, can't really wait until tomorrow or the end of the week for a sort of a refined, you know, um, pretty brochure about, you know, rent, rent relief. Um, you know, there, there are issues that are, that are developing in real time and being able to understand that and communicate that with our clients clearly and succinctly is um, really valuable. And, you know, a lot of that does come from the work that Claire and, and Emma and the, and the team are doing. But it's also um, interesting to sort of talk to all of the, the junior lawyers and we, we are sort of having regular sort of Skype check-ins or, or other video chat um, arrangements with, with, with junior lawyers. And it, it's... It is interesting to see them sort of stepping up and you know needing to take a little bit of initiative for uh, for, for you know for, for the work that they're doing and um, you know proactively contacting um, you know uh, associates and senior associates and other people in the team um, you know because you you do lose that um, inadvertent contact in the kitchen you know the inadvertent coffee chat just the you know loitering around someone's office so you can accidentally bump into them to have a chat about that piece of work that you um, that you sort of want to ask a question about you know it is um it is interesting to sort of see how that is developing over the uh um in this in this world of isolation and it's um it's been quite quite encouraging and it's been very encouraging actually to see everyone you know picking up the picking up the phone in the first instance rather than you know worrying too much about it and saying you know isolating even further and look just looking at that wall that you were referring to caitlin caitlin how long were you on the floor before we actually went to working from home um, seven days, best seven days of my life. Um, I'll never forget it. I have um, pictures of what my desk used to look like up on my wall. 
Um, no, I mean, before uh, I was, I was there for a week and then I think the adjustment has been, um, has been rapid, but also uh, we don't really know anything else. So now I've been, I've been here for a couple of months. And so you kind of, you just adjust. And um, I say that having shoehorned myself into hosting a podcast, which is probably the biggest <laughs> modern day cry for help that you can make. But um, I still think that Alan's have been fantastic with, um, you know, giving us spaces to talk that, because uh, like, as Tim was saying, when you lose that kind of serendipitous bumping into someone or chat around, you know, the corner of your firm um, or your floor or just through matters, there's you, that, that kind of evaporates overnight. Um, but what's been really great um, has been the, you know, at first perhaps um, kind of more rigid forums that had to be created to kind of um, recreate that. But now it's just become organic. Um, and I think that's been a game changer because otherwise I truly would have um, done a lot more wall staring. But my days are, uh, the highlights of my days are things like this um, and chats with people that happen organically now, which is great. What about the, uh, what about the, the Yammer pets groups? Yammer, yes. That's actually that's been one of the it's been one of the most exciting things is um, not only seeing people's bad beards but also getting to know their pets. There seems to be a real fascination with <laughs> um, with posting photos of pets, and I'm 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 no different. And um, you know, on the on sort of the social media feed that um, again was uh, was new to me, but uh, is I've really taken to um, seeing people's cats and dogs and llamas and dolphins, and it's it been the birds <laughs> it's, it's it's quite um <laughs> you, you think you learn a lot of you think you learn a lot about people when you uh when you meet them in uh, in the office but you learn a whole lot more about them when you uh when you meet their pets pets of allens is probably the highlight of this whole situation for me if there's any good <laughs> that's coming out of the pandemic it is the pets from allens <laughs> so extraordinary content i mean we just sort of touched on um this is sort of changing how we're working how our clients are working I'm interested, Tim, what, what do you think will happen when we return to work? You know, we've been having lots of meetings with clients over VC or over call now. I mean, do you think there's going to be less of an appetite to have in-person meetings or, you know, do you think this will shift our approach in the future? Yeah, it's a really interesting question. I, I think I think there's going to be um, definitely a desire to meet people face-to-face once we're all allowed to meet people face-to-face again. I think everyone's just going to be desperately trying to find an excuse to, uh, to meet people face-to-face <laughs> and have a meeting. But I think what, um, what, what I do think that there probably is going to be is a little bit more trust and faith in technology to hold meetings um, and have conversations remotely. Um, so, you know, whereas, you know, historically, People would might just jump on a plane down to Melbourne for a particular meeting. Um, you know, being able to um, to to know that sort of the technology works and you know a meeting held remotely or by video conference, you know, worked well when we're all isolated individually. So you know, if we can sort of get you know the five people in Sydney in a room in Sydney and the six people in Melbourne in a room in Melbourne and have a have a single video link that you know that we'll be able to achieve the, the same outcomes that I think a lot of people were, were skeptical of. So it's going to be, it's going to be really interesting. I think there's going to be, there's going to be both. I think there's going to be a real desire to actually sort of maintain that human connection because we've been deprived of it um, over these last couple of weeks, but also, um, you know, a realization that things can happen remotely. We do not need to be face to face. And I think that's also going to play out with, 
um, with work and de- definitely Will at Allen's. You know, as I said beforehand, we were looking at sort of supporting flexible work habits um, before this happened. And I think now more than ever, you know, that's just going to be accelerated because there will be this, the, the trust and the, um, the understanding that people working from home achieves a, you know, achieves a, the outcome that we, that we need for, um, for our people, for our business and for our clients. I guess one more thing that probably people listening to this podcast would be interested in hearing, what does this mean for clerkships and for our grads? What, what comes next in this COVID world? Yeah, look, we've said it a number of times, you know, we are looking to maintain business as usual. We have to maintain business as usual. You know, we have clients that need our help and need our advice and, you know, we're rolling that sort of business as usual attitude out to, um, to, to recruitment and clerkships as well. Now, look, you know, if we're not, if we're not back in the office, um, by the time sort of, you know, summer clerkship in Sydney come around, we'll run virtual clerkships and um, we're looking at running virtual clerkships in, in, in Melbourne uh, at, at the moment. Um, and you know, that's, that is sort of, you know, still giving people an idea of what it's like to work in a law firm, um, what it's like to work in a law firm virtually at the moment. But, um, but we are continuing to engage with, with law students, um, you know, despite being able to meet, uh, unable to meet face to face, um, we're participating in the virtual careers fair. Um, I did a virtual webinar for some students from one of the, the Sydney universities, um, early in the week, last week. Um, we're hosting sort of the meet and engage sessions. So I know that we spoke about a lot on the podcast and have been mentioned a lot um, recently uh, and really trying to sort of ramp up our presence on social media. So and when it comes to comes to recruitment, we are looking to continue sort of, you know, business as usual. You know, well, we've got a, sort of a, a large group of grads coming off our summer clerkship in Sydney last year who are looking to start at the beginning of next year. Um, you know, we're a business that, you know, is almost 200 years old and we are a business that's looking to continue, you know, well into the future. Um, you know, we need to acknowledge this for what it is, an exceptional circumstance uh, and the exceptional environment that we're currently operating in. But, um, you know, we have to change and adapt and, and we will. Uh, but at all times, we need to maintain, you know, the sort of the, the business that we have uh, of being an excellent law firm and, you know, delivering excellent client advice. And that includes recruiting the best possible people to do that. And what, uh, just to finish up, Guys, what would your um, best career advice be? I'll start with you, Claire. Um, well, I always just generically say when I'm um, talking to prospective clerks and prospective grads at the events we host and things like that, people are always asking what your advice is and what they should do and all of those things. And I always just say, please relax and please just be yourself because there's no point trying to trump yourself up and, um present yourself as something that you're not um and try to enjoy the process a little bit but I also have a little bit of a tip that I've worked out for myself not too long ago that's for applies to everyone I guess um and definitely helps me as a junior lawyer I've sort of recently started um putting I have a I have all my inbox organized and have lots of folders for matters and blah 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 but I made a little folder that I just called nice things the other day and I started to just put emails that you you get now and then where someone tells you you've done a good job on something or that they appreciated something or what have you. And I just sort of centralize them and pop them in there so that some, you know, when, when you have, when you're having a day when you're not feeling so confident or feeling a bit, um, bit unsure, it's kind of nice to just look at the times where you, 
did do something right and you'd get some feed, good feedback and good praise and go, oh, yeah, yeah, I can work this one out. Yeah, Claire, I've got a smile yeah, file too. It's actually kind it. of a fun little tip. Yeah, it's, it's cool. Um, it's, it's a good one as a junior lawyer, I think, when you definitely think you have no idea what's happening because you'll have that feeling. That's, that's such a great idea. I think, uh, I think everyone should have a smile file. I'm going to sort of put a smile file. Smile file, that's a better name. Mine is called Smile File. It's, oh, I no, love it. Maybe I'll change mine. So that's the lasting legacy of, um, of Rosanna Bricknell there. That was the first piece of advice she gave to us as clerks and it was something that we swiftly took up um, two years ago and I've still got. So she lives on. She lives on. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I um, probably probably a little bit more broad than, sort of, than Claire, but I want to pick up on one thing that Claire did say is, you know, when, particularly when you're going through the recruitment process, make sure you, you know, put the effort into to being yourself and, um, you know, showing your, 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 yourself to the... Um, to, to people who are interviewing you, it's it's too hard to be someone else, um, and it's also relatively obvious when people are trying to be someone who they who they're not. Um, I think probably the the best career advice that I can give, and I probably would have liked it someone to give it to me a bit earlier on, is and is 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 get involved and put your hand up. Um, you know, have an open mind. There's so many opportunities presented to us generally, not just in a work environment, but just, but generally. Um, that you know, opportunities have presented themselves to you, um, but particularly in law firm, commercial law firms as well. Um, you know, get involved in in something in things that you don't know about. You know, whether it's a work type, whether it's a pro bono matter, whether it's charity work, or whether it's a comment. But by all means, you're not going to love everything, but you will love some things, and you're definitely going to learn something. Um, and you're going to have some great experiences and meet some great people. But sort of coming to uh, Coming to work with an, with an open mind, and also sort of you know, I think you know, to be honest, living living your life with with an open mind, and and, and putting your hand up to uh, to help out and try something new is uh, is something I can only uh, only encourage people to uh, to do. That's great. Well, thank you, Tim and Claire. This has been a really interesting episode. It's been a very unusual episode for a number of reasons, but we've really enjoyed hearing your insights and I'm sure everyone's going to be really keen to, to learn more about what the firm's doing in this crazy time. So thank you so much for joining us and tune in again next time for Alan's Confidential.